You're listening to True Heart. Amy and Scott Mallon dive deep with celebrities, mavericks, visionaries, and real-life heroes to find out what sets their souls on fire. Here's Amy and Scott. Hey everyone, it's my favorite time of the year. The holidays are here. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Fabulous Festivus, Wonderful Winterfest. Whatever you're celebrating, we hope you're having an amazing holiday season. And we have such an incredible treat for you. Consider this Santa's gift because you've all been so wonderful in 2021. We are ending season one with an amazing, exciting guest. Scott, I'll let you say who it is. Debbie Gibson. And by the way, I have to say it's an amazing interview. It had nothing to do with me, obviously, (laughs) but it was an incredible interview. I, you know, I've known Debbie a little bit through Amy. But uh, you'll just see what not, not only how incredibly talented she is, but what an amazing human being. Yeah, I'm so excited to be reunited, albeit virtually, with my friend of over 20 years, the one and only Princess of Pop, Debbie Gibson. And she's blessed the True Heart podcast with so many gems of wisdom. And uh, you don't want to miss it. But before we get into the chat with Deb, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast um, wherever podcasts are found. Head on over to YouTube for the full experience and um, leave us a five-star rating and a great review. We would really appreciate it. And I just want to say, you know, before we get into our interview, like I'm an 80s kid. I mean, born in the 70s, but really an 80s kid. And 80s music to me was always like the greatest decade of music that I've ever experienced. And maybe I'm a little partial because that's when I grew up, but I listen to 80s music in my car all the time. Uh, our son was 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 raised on 80s music. So to get to speak to Debbie, um, who was one of the icons of the 80s, is just incredible. And I, I'm so honored that she was on the show, but also just an incredible interview about c- celebrity and performing and music in the 80s. So and, and also, just to understand the fact that almost four decades later, she's still doing what she loves and entertaining audiences all over the world. It's, it's just a testament to not only how talented she is, but just what a good human being um, she is. So let's get into it. Today's episode with Debbie Gibson. Today's episode is the Princess of Pop, and we have a very special guest. Debbie Gibson burst onto the music scene at 16 and instantly became the youngest artist in history to write, produce, and perform a number one hit, Foolish Beat. She is still the youngest female and has held the world record for over three decades. Debbie has sold more than 16 million albums and has starred in 17 musicals in 17 years, from Broadway's Les Miserables to the West End's Grease. In 2019, Debbie launched her SiriusXM radio show, Debbie Gibson's Mixtape, on The Blend, and joined NKOTV on the Mixtape Arena Tour. Later that year, she also served as a celebrity judge on Nickelodeon's America's Most Musical Family. In 2020, her single Girls' Night Out soared to number four on the U.S. Billboard and U.K. Music Week charts. This year, her guest starring role in the musical episode of Lucifer debuted May 28th on Netflix. 
Debbie filmed The Class with Anthony Michael Hall and Charlie Gillespie. She just completed her eight-show engagement, Debbie Gibson and Joey McIntyre, live from Las Vegas at the Sands Showroom inside the Venetian Resort Las Vegas. Debbie's new duet of Lost in Your Eyes, featuring Joey McIntyre, was released June 4th. Her new single, One Step Closer, was released July 16th, and her first pop album in 20 years, The Body Remembers, was released August 20th, all on her own label, Stargirl Records. The new album promptly shot up to number two on the Apple Pop Charts and achieved one million streams in one month. Stargirl Records released her new original song, Christmas Star, on November 12th. From number one hits and platinum albums to starring roles on stage and screen, Debbie Gibson is a true entertainer with timeless talent and charisma. Debbie donates her time and talent to deserving charities such as The Trevor Project, Broadway Cares, Good Old Tales, and Children International, to name a few. Let's get into it with Debbie Gibson. So happy holidays, Debbie Gibson. Great Thank to you. virtually see you. My my old friend, but you you literally look, I'm going to make like a mom joke, like electric youth is obviously real because you are aging in reverse and you look incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thank you, girl. You do too. I, I you know, you. for those listening, yeah, we go back such a long way. And uh, yeah, I think we're both doing, we're both holding up well, girl. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, and it must be because you have so much going on. You are nonstop. I mean, you just dropped your new holiday single, Christmas Star. So we have to start by talking about that because I see the gorgeous pink Christmas tree, which I love, and your whole festive holiday display. So Tell Thank us about you. the inspiration. Yeah, for... there's a menorah over this shoulder. Nice. I like the menorah. Yeah. Happy nice. Hanukkah Cheers. to our crew. We got everyone <laughs> no. covered. Got everyone covered. So, um, yeah, what's the inspiration for Christmas Star? Because the video is so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, thank you, guys. So, you know, the whole message in really in my life and in my music is to you know, even going back, like you said, to electric youth is like to walk your walk and to be that change that you want to see in the world and that you want to be. So really it's like, you know, don't just sit around wishing on that. There we go. That Christmas star, <laughs> be the star, be the star of your own life, be your own light. And you know, what I love doing more than anything is like disguising profound messages in hooky pop songs. <laughs> In this <laughs> case, it's a hooky holiday pop song. And it's like, so, you know, you got the sleigh bells and you're bopping along. And it's like, oh, maybe somewhere in there, that deeper message also gets through. I love that. That's so empowering. And people need to hear that. Like, you already have everything you need to be happy inside of you. You just have to unlock it. So Be it. What, Own it. Yeah. Unlock it. Exactly. So what a beautiful thing that you could serve that up in like a holiday ditty that's that's so fun for like everyone. Thank you. Yes, I steeped it in sleigh bells and put a bow on it and <laughs> sent it out into the world. And I'm in the process of finishing a full length um, holiday album for 2022. So I'm trying to get that done at the beginning of the year because I keep pushing it back because happily other things keep like kind of taking priority because I've had such a 
a, an amazing career, creative few years at this point in a row. So yeah, I'm prioritizing it. It's like first up uh, at the beginning of the year coming up to finish that. So it's out in time for, you know, it actually, believe it or not, takes like six months to get vinyl produced these days because the entire world is kind of behind on production and shipping and like, it's just become a different world. So you have to get a holiday album done like February 1. <laughs> so wild. But so worth it because there's just something so special about vinyl. It's uh, to me, it's much better than, you know, anything that you'd hear played off of, you know, the, the computer digital, like just the, yeah, the analog, the, the organic. Yeah. It's, it's the way record, music was meant to be heard. You can't see it, but I've got a record player back there too. But um, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because when you go to do the mastering, which is for people who don't know what that is, like the final tweaking sound wise, EQ wise on a record, I still say record, it's different for digital than it is for CD than it is for vinyl. So like the vinyl treatment it gets has a specific sound in mind. So yeah, it's really fun kind of being able to create for that genre, which is where my music debuted, you know, my music debuted on vinyl. And I remember that first, you know, just, I just celebrated the 35th anniversary of Only In My Dreams. And I remember that Yay! 12 inch, yes, the 12 inch vinyl single of, you know, for the clubs of Only In My Dreams showing up at my house in the mail and getting to hold it and play it. And it's such a thrill. And that must've been the most amazing feeling to know this is my song and now the world gets to enjoy it. Oh yeah. I mean, all I wanted, like, first, all I wanted in life was to be Annie, but that didn't happen. Um, you know, so like first, first showbiz dream was to be on Broadway, which I eventually got to do. But when I started writing songs and when I was of that age where I was like obsessed with the radio, just as a music fan, I couldn't think of anything better than having my music be on the radio and reach people. So yeah, I mean, the fact that that's still happening 35 years into my career and like really very much on my terms, you know, like I, I have my own label with my manager, Heather, and it's, we talk about it all the time. It's like, it's one thing just to still be out there and making noise and in, in such a crowded you know, on a crowded musical scene, but to be able to be doing it where it's like creatively exactly my vision and how we present it is, is my vision. And I don't have a label like handing me an itinerary and telling me you'll do this and wear this and do, which I, which back then, by the way, worked great for me and I loved it, but now I'm a different person. And I, that wouldn't agree with me, like my wellness picture or anything. And so it really is thrilling to, be on the radio, you know, be on, be on all the streaming services now with all the new music and kind of like be competitive out there. Like still, you know, all these years later, it's really fun. Well, speaking about where it all began, let's rewind to the 1980s, which is actually our favorite decade. I have to say that like in my car, I listen to the 80s channels ad nauseum. Like that's all I listen to. I'll listen to like... <laughs> Some of the newer stuff and i listen to like some alternative like electronic stuff but i always go back to the 80s and uh -huh. i got i got our son completely hooked on 80s music completely oh, and and you know i you're obviously a huge star back then and you still are but what is it 
I, I was trying, Amy and I were talking about it last night. We we're trying to figure out what it was it about the 80s and just 80s music that made it kind of timeless and so happy and just even now people just love the 80s and 80s music. Well, I mean, you just said something that it is like the time, the the there was an innocence to the time, you know, it was a happier time, less complicated time. I mean, surely obviously way less complicated in the last two years, but even so, it, you know, there was a purity to the music. There was not yet auto-tune. Like, I love listening to that music where someone's singing, like, perpetually a hair sharp or, or leaning into a note. It's like a little under, but it's got a feeling about it. And I try, I mean, it's interesting because now, like, how you hit the pitch of notes, it's like such a player in the band, like, to the modern ear in music. But I try not to like perfect the soul out of the vocals because that was one of the appeals back then. You know, you had Madonna, who I think is, you know, such a brilliant artist, but it was that raw ambition. And I think people heard the, and felt the raw ambition in all of the musical artists back then, you know, from rock to rap to dance. Um, and I always say like, I don't want a time machine. Like I don't think everything great was done in the eighties. But I do think to take what's great about it and move it forward. I mean, you listen to the weekend's blinding lights and it's like, it, there is a bit of a time warp happening. Like it's amazing how young artists and young producers are pulling what was great from like those synth sounds and those beats. And there's like a feeling, there's a feeling to it that definitely, it, it started getting rediscovered, I think already like a decade ago. I feel like I've been hearing the eighties are back for like decades. <laughs> but, <laughs> They're still not going anywhere. I work with a 20-year-old, uh, Sean Thomas. He co-produced my entire album and he co-wrote the song Runway. When he sent me the track for Runway, I was like, what? Like, when were you born? I mean, he's only 20. <laughs> but it sounded like he'd been listening to Martika's Kitchen and those types of records, like this funk, like the way every the instrumentation and the arrangement, the way it all danced was so reminiscent of that sound. But with a modern, just some, it's hard to put my finger on how he modernized it, but because he is 20, it it's naturally modernized. And I love that blend, like that title, even the title, The Body Remembers to me, it's like, it feels current, but it's looking back in a nostalgic way at what we all want from those nostalgic times still. We want that feeling. It was a very, obviously nostalgia, you look back on things and it's kind of rosy, rosy colored glasses. <laughs> But man, there's something about the music that was just so happy and fun. And it just made you yeah. feel so good. Yeah. And unashamedly hooky. You know, one thing like when I heard Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, I was doing backflips because I, I am a fan of hooks. I am not trying to be cool. I do not play anything close to the vest, Amy will tell you. <laughs> I, I love just said that happiness that comes from a satisfying repetitive pop hook that ends and ties up on the perfect little you know of just can't shake your love like that to me like i love it i still love performing it i still am proud of it because it's a well-crafted pop song and i i do love that about the time and a lot of the writing like for me it's easy to write that way but i think that a lot of writers like labored over finding those hooks you know like it is a there is a craft to it. There was a craft to that kind of music. And it's nice to know you appreciate it, Scott. <laughs> oh, I don't think I'm the only one. 
but, my gosh. Yeah. We, we both do. And, and speaking of the music, growing up in the 80s, I was obsessed with making mixtapes for all of my mm. friends. So if you, Deb, were going to make a mixtape, what are the five songs that you have to include? Oh my God. Is this from but the anyway, 80s? Yeah, in 80s. Oh, from the 80s. Okay, I know okay. I'm going to give this answer and then want to change it a hundred <laughs> times. So I'll go you like can. off the top of my head. I mean, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go would definitely be Classic. On. I feel like Madonna's crazy for you. Good song. Like that's such a unique ballad for me. Um, oh my gosh. I'm going to go to my buddy Rick Astley and go with a little Never Gonna Give You Up. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> and, he, and he's such an incredible artist. And speaking of, he's touring with my other buddies and KOTB this this year. Um, I mean, I've got. I think now that I've shared the stage and you know recorded with Joey Mack, I'll go. Please don't go, girl. Mm. Oh, and oh my god, one. one more. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go, Whitney. I'm gonna go. How will I know? I mean, it's just it was. You know, like what amazing first. record. I remember I used to sit by once in a, like at the end of the year, like now when they would do like the roundup of the whole year and they'd play like the, the best, best songs, songs of the year. Yeah. And I'd sit by, I'd have my mixtape, I'd have my tape in and I'd sit by the radio and I would just wait to hit record, like hoping that like, the DJ would stop oh, talking. Yeah. In, he'd start talking in no. the intro of the song. I'd like, stop, stop. I need to get the intro. And I'd play <laughs> no, record. Listen, listen. I know because the, so like when Lost in Your Eyes came out, it was, you know, like leaked, wink, wink, I'm sure, to PLJ or Z100, like one of those. <laughs> and so they were like, you know, it would be like a PWPLJ exclusive. And so like they would put that over, so that for people taping, like another like another radio station was going to tape it and play it off a cassette, but that did cross people's <laughs> minds. <laughs> but yeah, so they would like watermark it essentially with like a, a voiceover. Oh so God. funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I would try to get like clean songs, but it was next to impossible. And then I'd, I'd sit there at the end of the song and I'd try to get every last note out before the DJ would come in again. And then I'd have to have a little space, nothing happening, and then go to the and wait for like, you didn't even know what the next song was going to be. So you still kind of had, do I go record? I don't know. It might be mine, but nowadays, a little, a little easier nowadays. But back then you had to work for that mixtape. Um so back to back to the 80s because we're having a great time visiting um what other musicians were you hanging out with in the 80s when you were starting out in your career and what's one of your favorite memories that just blew your mind back then starting out as a teenager and on your meteoric rise to success um so this is an easy one i wasn't really hanging out with a lot of other performers because you know it wasn't like it's so interesting when I think about, you know, like Jingle Ball and all these like package tours and there was, there, it wasn't really happening back then. There was a Jingle Ball. It was like at the Palladium for 2000 people. And so I would cross paths, paths with new kids and Tiffany. And I remember doing like um, school with, for solid gold with the Jets and Shanice and, and other artists, but we didn't spend a lot of time together. Um, but the, uh, the moment, and I'm sure you know, you, you've heard me talk about this, is um, when Elton John invited me on stage to play and share his keyboard with him 
with Billy Joel at the next keyboard at Madison Square Garden. Wow. <laughs> that was that was the that was like the big pinch me fangirl moment for me because I grew up as a pianist. I grew up, um, you know, idolizing the piano boys because we were mainly piano boys back then. I mean, there was Carol King who I loved as well, but but pretty much those two were, you know, they were the gods and. Um, it was like the Broadway women, pop artists in general, and then the piano men. So to share the stage with those two at the same time who were my idols was amazing. That is incredible. That had to have been one of those moments where you knew that you had arrived and everything that you worked so hard for. I mean, especially at a, such a young age, you were being celebrated by these icons. It's incredible. I mean, I was definitely feeling great about it, but I don't think I ever thought or I ever think like, oh, I've arrived. Because I think the minute you do that, you don't stay hungry and you're not thinking about the next thing you want to do. It's, oh, I've never been in an I've arrived, like an I've arrived sitting, you know, sitting back. I mean, I I look at my past with a with a perspective that allows me to be proud of it and celebrate it. But I don't stay there too long to where I'm like, you know, um, I don't know. I'm very little ego and like I'm all ambition and moving forward. But that was definitely a moment. I mean, it was definitely a moment. So uh, maybe you could comment on this because one of the threads we've seen with a lot of our interviews, which have, I, I think, you know, been really interesting. Like I'm thinking back to Meryl Davis, who won a gold medal. And um, what she talked about was you know, we asked like, what was it like being on the stadium the on the podium when you got that gold medal? Did it feel like, okay, I've, I've done it all this work, my whole life, I've done it. And she said, and it's kind of exactly what you're saying, which is that, um, no, it was the journey. It was the journey that meant the most to me, not standing on the podium. I don't think about that moment as the moment for me where I was my happiest. It was the whole journey leading up to it that was so beautiful. And that's what I remember the relationships, the friends. Yeah. I think if you hang your hat too much on accolades, then what happens when you don't get the medal? What happens when you don't win the Grammy? What happens when it's not your year? Are you going to then be in a black hole of depression? So that's where I've always been kind of like very realistic also about my journey. And yeah, I celebrate every little thing that happens throughout a course of a day or a week or a month or a year and successes are, defined by me. They're very personal. Yeah. They're not necessarily about the accolades. It was in an interesting thing happened to me this year, which is I was so used to like not being the coolest one in the room. And then suddenly like I was on Lucifer and Tom Ellis was like speaking about me in a way it was just so respectful. And I've had so many people just dismiss me, like for all the success I've had, I've never been like a critic's darling. I've never been, I'm always the one fangirling over the other artist or the actor or the, so suddenly I like, I, I mean, I think long ago, I really dropped the need for accolades and I dropped the need for being the coolest. I was like, oh, I'm always going to be that person that's like, if I'm having a DM fest with a fellow like entertainer, I'm going to be the one who just, I'm going to do too many texts, right? And then they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to put a heart on that. And I'm going to be that over eager person, right? So this year when like Tom Ellis is 
giving me praise and accolades and Variety writes me up. And then like Rob Sheffield from Rolling Stone is giving me public accolades. I was literally like catching my breath from that because I was so not used to it. And I didn't need it for my sense of self-worth. And the minute I didn't need it, it started coming. And I was like, wow, I'm almost so uncomfortable receiving compliments. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> I got so used deserve to like, it. Well, it's, you know, and again, the word deserve scares me because I go, God, there's so many people doing so many great things in their lives. A, might not be famous or in entertainment or a public figure. They're a great mom. They're a great, and nobody stands up and applauds for them, right? And I'm always so acutely aware of how my life is such an embarrassment of riches that I'm like, the deserving or the, oh, I should be praised. I'm like, hmm. And so, again, that happened a lot this year. And I, I had to, like, I had to learn how to accept that and be grateful and gracious and just be like, wow. Again, without, like, judging it either way, just to say thank you and to allow it to feel good because it does feel good. But it also felt weird. It feels weird. And so... Um, yeah, it's just, it's just an interest. I always use the word perspective, like 35 years into my career, I just have an interesting perspective on things now. Are you still wiping your butt with all that toilet paper you hoarded last year? How's that going for you? Let me introduce you to a new way to clean after you handle your business. Meet Hello Tushy. Tushy is the modern bidet that easily clips to any toilet and installs in just 10 minutes. Starting at just $99, Tushy sprays a precise stream of clean water and washes away all of that literal crap that toilet paper leaves behind. Upgrade your bathroom experience by going to hellotushy, T-U-S-H-Y dot com. That's hellotushy.com. Tushy saves the environment and reduces your carbon butt print. Tushy saves you money on toilet paper and Tushy saves your butt. Go to hellotushy, that's T-U-S-H-Y dot com. Stop wiping, start washing with Tushy. This Saves Lives is a ridiculously delicious food brand that gives back. Every single purchase sends life-saving food to a child in need. Co-founders Kristen Bell, Ryan Devlin, Todd Grinnell, and Ravi Patel launched This Saves Lives with a simple motto. Buy a bar, feed a child, we eat together. Now with more than just bars, their products contain premium ingredients and are non-GMO, gluten-free, and kosher dairy. Their unique line of kids' products all contain one full serving of fruits and vegetables and are safe for school. To buy their ridiculously delicious snacks, head on over to thissaveslives.com. For over a decade, lifestyle brand Half United has been using fashion to feed people all over the world. To break the cycle of generational poverty, the community provides gainful employment to local artisans in vulnerable communities who create their handmade and sustainable products. For every Half United product purchase, seven meals are given to a child in need. Half United has donated over one million meals to date. Shop their beautiful jewelry, tees, handbags, and home accessories at halfunited.com and help fight global hunger. Say ciao to tradition and hello to your new favorite plant-based Italian bistro in Los Angeles, Brothers Meatballs. Brothers Meatballs was founded by brothers and food industry veterans Mauro and Sergio Corbia, who hail from the Isle of Sardinia, Italy. 
When they join forces with second-generation Italian chef Mark Middleman, their self-proclaimed brother from another mother, the concept for Brothers Meatballs was born. Morrow was the founder and creator of Morrow's Cafe inside Fred Siegel, a long-standing LA hotspot. Dissatisfied with the amount of plant-based dining options, reminiscent of the home-cooked meals their mother once made, the brothers were determined to create a menu so delicious it would appeal to herbivores and omnivores alike. Inspired by the food mama so lovingly prepared for Sunday suppers, these meatballs are a modern take on a family classic. All menu items are 100% plant-based and made with mama's secret ingredient, love. Angelinos can order lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday at brothersmeatballs.com. Well, I think knowing you for over two decades, Deb, you've always been so humble um, and you're so incredibly talented, you know, starting out as a teenager, writing and producing and performing your own music. There are obviously a lot of talented people who could put on a good show, but they're not an artist in the same way that, that you are. And you've Thank dedicated you. so much of your life to honing your craft and you put in the work and, and you're also always kind, you know, every room you walk into people leave smiling and you give everyone the attention that, that they deserve and make them feel special. Ah, so, but it, it's you. all true. And I think that's why, you know, almost four decades later, you're still here, you know, performing to sold out audiences around the world and, and doing television and film gigs and crossing over into all these exciting mediums because People appreciate, you know, Debbie Gibson, the human being. Your your music Thank brings you. people that's joy. That's very meaningful to me, and that's it's really true. Like, that's all I ever want my legacy to be is is to because that's kind of all there is being kind to people. And the thing is, I don't I don't think of it like, oh, I'm gonna go be kind because it's it's so interesting because I've done interviews my whole life and I've been in therapy my whole life. I'm so self-aware. I heard Taylor Swift talking about this in one of her documentaries. It's like it's very unnatural to be so self-aware. And so you can fall into this trap of like, oh, I'm gonna now go be kind to that person, which is very condescending. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I tr I always connect with I'm a person, you're a person. Everybody has a story and everybody wants to be seen and everybody wants to be heard. And I am aware that if I'm somebody's favorite artist, that it carries weight and meaning for them to be seen and heard by me. So there's this dual, dual thing going on, which is A, I just really love people and I want to interact with people and I want to hear their story. And I am aware that I could lift them up in a moment or I could really disappoint them if I'm an idiot, you know? And like, and the whole thing of like, well, celebrities and they have a bad day, that is true. But I do think public people have to always be aware that their actions carry so much weight, you know, one way or another. So like, if I'm in a crappy mood, I'm probably not gonna interact with a bunch of people and inflict that on anybody or disappoint somebody or make them feel less than because I'm in a crappy mood because it is a responsibility being a public person. Your perspective is incredible. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes think about this, you know, fame being a celebrity, it has so many advantages, you know, and so many people want to be famous and celebrity. You see, look at Instagram, everyone wants to be famous and, you know, whatever, but you know, you've really been there and you're still there and you, your perspective, but I, you know, hearing you talk about it, 
you realize how many pitfalls there are that come along with fame that people don't realize or talk about. And it seems like you have found kind of a secret formula for how to navigate that and kind of have a little bit of the best of both where you can have the fame and the celebrity, but you can still be real and you can still connect with people without coming across, you know, like uh, I'm more important than you. And that's, that's amazing. That is an amazing thing that you've Thank been you. able to I've, accomplish. I've, I've prided myself on balance in my life. And I do think my mom and my dad, I mean, in particular, my mom really instilled that in me. You know, Amy, you know my mom quite yeah. well. And she encouraged me to stay in school, even though my hit record was happening and all that. Because it, if that was the moment I could have really lost touch with reality. And I didn't. And for better or worse, I got to see how amazing kids and teachers could be. I got to see how cruel people could be. I got to, but I got to, I wasn't, I wasn't shielded from people and real life. And I think, you know, like the last decade or so, um, actually up until a few years ago, it was like the decade before that, that, you know, I still go through my health challenges and all kinds of crazy things, things, but that there was a whole, I'm going to say 10 to 15 years where I was living a whole lot of real life. And I went through every universal struggle known to man. And I think because of that, again, I get on a stage and what makes people pay money to see me is what I put into my craft and, and the fact that I'm vulnerable with them and I put it all out there. It's not because I'm this untouchable person, which I love. I love being in that role. And I would take any day of the week having less fame and less success, but being able to connect with people. And I, I just feel like the audience that has grown with me for all of these decades, my deb heads, my diamond deb heads, um, mm -hmm. they've, they've seen me through the ups, the downs, the twists, the turns, the in, like I'm hot, I'm not, I'm in, I'm out, I'm on Broadway, I'm on the radio. I'm that. And it's, again, it's a journey. Like, what you guys were saying before. And it's this journey we've all taken together and they've seen that I'm flawed. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think there's more of a celebration in the victorious moments for all we get to all like when the body remembers came out for some kind of something like four months ago, it feels like a year ago, four months ago or whenever at end of August. Um, and it was met with a great reception and high praise and, I was like cheering with my audience. Like I wasn't cheering for myself. I was like, look guys, we've all done it. Like we've hit some other pinnacle together. And it's such a great, that sense of community is so great. And when I see my fans becoming friends with each other and lifting each other up. Like I jokingly say, I stalk my audience on social media. <laughs> and I can, I see when like, you know, I know, somebody's you know got several jobs and he's the first one to like send people like buy people new merch that might not have, be able to afford it and i'm like but how do you afford it you're working like three shifts and you're sending and it's just amazing to see them like lifting each other up and and that they connected I, like I, I feel like a kind of a silent matchmaker i didn't do anything but just through the power of music and this community that has been formed through my music um, they're their own family and I'm like watching them interact and it's such an unbelievable byproduct 
of me just doing what I love to do that I never gave a conscious thought to, and I've just watched it unfold. And it's so, so thrilling. Well, and being that you guys are like, you know, you're humanitarians and you're community people. So you get that. Totally get it. And I, I've seen it, Deb, with you in, you know, cities across the country with how your fans connect with you. And, you know, one of the things that I'll always remember is when we did the parties in South Beach for Winter Music Conference for mm -hmm. the MYOB album. And everywhere we walked, people were just following us. And this is before social media existed. And you took a picture with every single person that asked. But I think what I saw was people who grew up, you know, in, in the 80s, like the three of us did, when they saw you, it was like they were going back to a moment in time that made them the happiest in their childhood. So you right. represented like, oh, that was one of my best moments as a kid. Like I used to listen to Debbie Gibson's, you know, big hits on the radio then. And oh my gosh, I see her now and she's still here. So it reminds me that like, I can tap into all of those good feelings from my childhood. You're just, yeah, you're hitting it on the head. Cause I always say that, like, I do feel like our generation is so vibrant and vital and we're not like our parents and grandparents' generations, which should never have had this happen to them. But like at a certain yeah. age, especially women, were put out to pasture. And, you know, people, women like Tina Turner rebelled against that and really changed the landscape. And Cher rebelled against that. And Diane Keaton and a lot of women. But, you know, yes, it's like I do I do want to be that. Like, I don't think it's about, all about me. I do think it's, it is. It's about this mirror I can hold up to you, my audience to say exactly what you just said. We're all here. We all have the power to tap into all those good feelings we had and you know that that vital energy and we can harness it and bring it forward to now. And that's really like my my message all the time. I love it. It's that's, beautiful. That's what I live. Thank you. And when you're not on the stage, you're donating your time to so many amazing organizations like the Trevor Project and Broadway Cares and Good Old Tales and so many others. Why, Deb, is giving back so important to you? Um, you know, I jokingly say, like, before I've opened both my eyes, I've usually found something to donate to on social media you know, or I'm posting up a cat that needs out of a shelter or, or, or whatever it is. I just feel like if it's a platform, uh, like if you have a platform, like we public figures do and listen, it's, it can be, you know, somebody can have 500 followers, 5,000 followers or 5 million followers. It doesn't matter. Like there's people watching and you have the power to do something good. Um, and, you know, having done my own, charity stuff like for a while i had the gibson girl foundation and i was you know doing scholarships to my camp i realized you know when they say no donation is too small it's like i learned it you know it it all added up it all helped um with my cause when people were donating when people were spreading the word and i do love like i love that you mentioned good old tales rescue um they're on the east coast and they're a senior animal rescue and it's basically like you know, a woman taking in any dog or cat that needs help in her, into her home. And like, oh, wow. you know, wow. it's just so incredible. And it's those types of people and those types of organizations I'm really drawn to. And then I work with Children International, which is on a global scale. But I learned when I was on The Celebrity Apprentice, which I never would have done if it didn't have a charity aspect to it, because there was no 
I was like, I don't need to run around Manhattan and prove I can do a task. Like what's the bigger picture? The fact that I got to play for Children International when I didn't have a bunch of extra cash in my bank account. And I was, you know, I was able to raise enough money winning my task to where they built a a new center in India. And I got to go to uh, Manila to do the infomercial years ago. I was an, I was the official spokesperson, but they they brought me on to be that because I was always like the unofficial spokesperson who was always sponsoring kids from the time I was 18. But I got to see firsthand, which is so powerful, what they do. And, you know, to go to their center and to meet the kids and then to go see the flip side of it, the kids who have not been helped yet, who were living yeah. in graveyards and dump sites and hiking up, you know, dump sites with broken glass and their feet were bleeding and it was to collect bottles to make a nickel. Um, you know, it, it was so powerful. It stuck with me. I mean, I was like in a deep depression when I left there, but I was also so glad that there was something to be done. So, you know, when you see those infomercials in the middle of the night and people kind of mock them or people like whatever, you know, like it feels like, oh, this sappy thing and it's so far away. And it's like, these are actual real families and children that have no other way out but your donation. Like it's just, it's so, it's so wild to see. Um, but yeah, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. I just found the coolest organization. My friend Alicia Coppola, it's so funny how we know each other. We both dated the same guy in our 20s. Like <laughs> she dated him first and I dated him, Chris Bruto. And she and I are friends now all these years later. I'm still friends with I love Chris. It. She and I, she and I, she's just a, a spectacular gal. And she was knitting, uh, knitting scarves and donating, like she was auctioning them and donating the bids to Trans Santa. So I found out about that. And it's for trans youth who are either um, in the process of transitioning or transitioned um, or want to and have, have been excluded from their families. And at the holiday, like I could cry talking about it. Oh my Holiday God. time, what all the things that brings up. So they create an Amazon wish list of gifts they like. Oh, wow. And some, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how when you look at it, a lot of it's super practical. They need like clothes for their new body yep. um, or they need something that's just going to be reflective of their insides and who they are now and, and who they were meant to be. And, and they don't know how else to get this item. It could be a necklace. It could be a, whatever the thing is. So I love that organization. You can read their actual letter and you can click on a letter, you can see who resonates with you and, and buy them some gifts. And it's all like, they've made it so easy, you know, to do that. And so um, I do think, you know, I think most people and especially performers are generous and they want to give back. Cause again, like speaking for myself, I feel like I, I have so much, I, I get so much love. So to be able to, to give that back is a gift to me as well. You know, it's amazing. I have to say, you know, so we are in this space and we've, you know, been fortunate to help raise a lot of funds for nonprofits. And so we know a little bit more than most people um, about this. And it's just funny that, you know, Amy asked that question of you. And I think a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, you know, I charity is really important to me. It's really important to give back. But you launched into like the specifics and the details. And that just proves beyond a shadow of a doubt, Debbie, like that you are the real deal that you do this because it matters to you. 
you like to make a difference, you like to connect with real people and see the impact in their lives. And so if there's any doubt, like if that is the proof to me beyond a shadow of a doubt. Thank of how, you. That and you I are still want to do, I still want to do more. Like it's so, you know, I, I, you, you start going down the rabbit hole of how many injustices there are in this world and how many people and animals you want to help. I mean, I got it down the, the rhino rabbit hole the other day and the elephant rabbit hole. And I think, Oh my God, like, how am I going to see the Beagle freedom? organization is unbelievable and you know it's like i i just feel like there's like not even enough time in the day to you know so hopefully i can keep growing my platform so i can keep expanding my charitable reach too because there's so much to be done well you're doing an amazing job deb of using your platform to give back and make an impact and you know there's everything that the fans see you doing and, and sharing these great causes, but we know most importantly, it's in those quiet moments when nobody's watching that your heart is in it and you're doing so much more good than anyone will ever know. Um, and that's, you. that's proof positive by, you know, how much you care about these causes and how deeply you, you look into them. Um, and, and you, you want to make sure that your time and your, your energy and your effort is making the biggest impact possible. So for our final question, we'll ask you something we ask all of our fabulous guests on the True Heart Podcast. What sets your soul on fire, Deb? Oh, I love that question. Oh my gosh. What sets my soul on fire? I mean, I'm going to say creativity because creativity is everything we've talked about for this whole time. It, it is the charitable aspects. It is the music. It's, you know, using my imagination. Like I was just on a call with Joey McIntyre actually, because we have some other fun things we're talking about doing. And I said to him like a half hour into the call, I was like, Oh my God, my adrenaline, it's going, it's exactly what you said. It's like my lights, my soul on fire. I go, my God, my adrenaline's going like so crazy because I'm so excited about these ideas. I just think ideas, new ideas and creativity. That's awesome because yeah, you're putting out all of this goodness into the universe and then inspiring and empowering other people to unlock their gifts because we all have something special and unique to offer. It's just a matter of realizing that it's there and it exists and then sharing it with the world and, and celebrating that. A thousand percent. I mean, on my album, you know, Runway, Legendary, all the, those songs speak to that. I mean, Runway is your life's a runway and you're the star. It's it's, it's the Christmas star message in, in pop form. And legendary is what we were speaking about before, which is about being kind. I always say, it doesn't matter what you do for a living, for your career, whatever. As long as you live your life with passion and you leave it all on the floor as a great neighbor, as a friend, as a parent. Um, you know, I can't say enough about stay-at-home parents. Again, like when people go like, what do you do for your career? Like people want to hear some fancy answer. And I love when someone goes, I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I go, wow, that is engaging in life in a way that is so admirable. And to your parent, to your kids, you're a legend. Like <laughs> that's awesome. And so that like to me, living your life with passion and in, in, in whatever you do is everything. 
I love it. We absolutely couldn't, couldn't agree. say it any better. Yes. I mean, we know I can't say it. it any <laughs> Other people could say it. I don't know if anyone would say it better than you. And we want everyone to check out Christmas Star, available on all music platforms now. So sing your way into 2022 with Deb's amazing holiday jam, Christmas Star, and check out the video because it's really fun and super cute and timeless. And there are dachshunds in it. So I yes. mean, what oh, win -win. You, you, you can't go wrong. It's Debbie Gibson and the Dotsons. I love it. Um, thank you, Deb, for being on the show. It's always great to see you. Next time, I want to hug you in person. Yes, um, I can't wait. But this was uh, this was an awesome look into your fabulous career and everything you're doing to make a difference through your music and through this incredible platform that you've built over the last 36 years. Thank you, girl. I love you. I love you, you too. Thank Thanks, you. Debbie. I told you it was gonna be a great interview and it was. And again, I also told you it was gonna have nothing to do with me and it didn't. So everything I said came true. Debbie, you are amazing. You are such a talented musician and artist. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I loved it. So much fun to have you on the True Heart Podcast. Debbie Gibson, check out her new holiday jam, Christmas Star, uh, wherever music is found. And don't forget to keep it locked here in the new year. Oh my gosh, where we're going to see you next. It's going to be 2022. And we have an unbelievable guest. I'm going to give you a sneak peek. It is another dear friend and musician who we absolutely love and adore. The very talented Elliot Yamin, who you will know from his time as a finalist on American Idol and all of his success since. So don't uh don't miss that that's coming up on january 4th 2022 i can't believe it so stay safe have a very happy new year wishing you and your families lots of blessings coming up try to make as many new year's resolutions as you possibly can that you know you're gonna break a week into <laughs> january the more the merrier as they say that's what i do we'll still be here in 2022 <laughs> yep yeah. we'll see you then guys see you soon